0: Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No bridge
2: necessary. Prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: An eighth defeat in 10 matches. Norway City 17th in the championship. The trends are only heading in one direction. Wagner was at the wheel. Now the wheels are firmly off. Norway City are pretty close to a crisis. I think we can call it that at this point after a 3-1 defeat to so Blackburn Rovers at Carrow Road on Sunday at lunchtime in front of the watching nation, of course. Uh, it was not a nice day at Carrow Road. Uh, we're going to dissect it all here on the Pinkin.com Norrie City podcast. I'm your host, Connor Southwell, joined as ever by my esteemed colleagues Paddy Davitt and Samuel Seaman to reflect on the events that unfolded inside Carrow Road this afternoon. Um, now, we could spend the first 20 minutes of this podcast dissecting all of the goals and speaking about how Norwich City fell two goals behind in uh, 15 minutes. That was obviously compounded in the second half before Gabriel Sara's late, late, late consolation perhaps made the scoreline look uh, a, a little more flattering than than perhaps it, it should have been in the end after uh, a red card as well. But we're going to start with David Wagner. It's the, the, the place really that only we can really start at to be honest after what is a run that's really abysmal, um, to 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 be frank. It's a, a really, really bad spell that Norwich City are in at the moment. And I wouldn't usually do this, but I've got a uh, Norwich City match day programme in my hand. And I think it is uh, worth reading um, some bits and bobs from Zoe Webber's column within it, because there are some interesting lines. Obviously this was written pre-game, so uh, add, add that context, et cetera. Um, So it reads as followed. Uh, Like you, we are disappointed with our recent run of results, but we remain committed to achieving our objectives this season. To be outside of the promotion places at this point in the campaign falls below our expectations, and we're well aware that performances have not been at the level required. We know we must improve. Expectations at this club are high and everyone strives to improve every day. When we experience difficult moments, we must remain unified and support each other in order to find a solution. And this is the crucial paragraph. David Wagner and his coaching staff are an integral part of that and we have to show solidarity everyone has challenging moments in their professional lives and we're here to help support him in every way possible a poor runner form naturally brings scrutiny on any head coach and David is no different at Norris City we are committed to having a stable environment for our employees, players and coaching staff to thrive in we will do everything we can to provide that platform, she goes on to speak about uh, injuries, how hard everyone is uh, working behind the scenes etc and then uh, the sign off to to the column is this Uh, it says we have uh, two big uh, games ahead of us before the international break as we try to get back to playing the type of football we expect and return to winning uh, ways her final paragraph let's get behind the team as we fight for an important three points against blackburn rovers today Um, those obviously uh, we have to use those words because we haven't heard from any city senior figure uh, subsequently after after uh, the game so those are the words that we're leaning on paddy i mean that could be interpreted, maybe not by me. I'm not saying this is my view and how I'm interpreting it, but I'm sure some people will interpret that as somewhat of a vote of confidence. Where do you feel David Wagner stands tonight?
2: Well, I mean, you say we haven't heard from any senior figures and, and at that level, executive above, we haven't, but we're fresh from walking back up the hill from Car Road where we have spoken to David Wagner. And um, because you've asked it in terms of what it means for David Wagner, it, as we sit here with that caveat, he, he intends to fight on. Direct, directly asked will you resign no that's not in my character do you think you'll get the chance to be you know taking the team for Cardiff which is of course the next game prior to the, the international break again repeated what he said to me at Sunderland previous weekend um that's for others to decide and I guess that's where it comes full circle because the people who need to decide are Zoe Webber the executive uh the board um obviously the Mark Atanasio group as well from across the pond, and. Uh, that's where, if you want to link the two together, David Wagner and maybe the view from above. Well, if if that's representative of of the view from above, even prior to today's defeat, um, then yes, he will still be in charge going into the international period. And uh, you know, for me, maybe how that plays out now. We saw at Cairo earlier today, where Bar, um, you know, an immediate reaction when the second blackburn goal went in after 15 minutes um where it was directed firmly at there was it was like a triple barrage it was Wagner out it was the board out it was stuart weber out of course stuart weber is going but it was almost accelerate your departure but that aside uh, worryingly it was almost a general air of acceptance i thought from the rest rest of that game bar the odd pocket at half time and full time and you know the players attempts at going round the pitch to acknowledge the support was was given short shrift. I think that's safe to say from the ones who were still in car road. But given, you know, that was minute 15, minute 16, we had that reaction of a toxic level. Um, I don't think it's too unfair to to label it as but the remaining 75 minutes of that game, almost a general acceptance. And that has to be alarm bells inside the car road boardroom. Um, because if your fan base don't, don't mean they don't care. Of course they care. They care deeply, particularly the ones who are there and have played the hard-earned as well. But um, but if you don't feel vexed by the situation enough to, if you draw a, a, a pertinent parallel, Blackburn, last season, Dean Smith at home, vastly different reaction, real prolonged, sustained anger. We move it on almost 12 months, give or take, um, to the day. And, you know, the mood is very different and it's almost a... Well, nothing's going to change above us, so why do we need to invest anything more in it than we already have on this journey of downward results and performances, which were way below, to quote Zoe Webber, or to paraphrase Zoe Webber, you know what the expectations are of this club this season uh, and as a club generally in the championship, way below those levels, and uh, as a result, unless something changes, and that for me is head coach and it's not just head coach it's one or two other positions as well um and then mid to longer term something needs to change with this group of players in terms of changing it around again uh then what is going to change nothing materially and um you know i would take issue with, particularly with the, the form line as if this is a a mini blip this is now eight defeats in 11 league games back end of last season was one win in 11 this is more of the same under david wagner despite having a window to try and put his imprint on on the squad and and work with them in terms of the mentality and what he wanted from them in terms of shape and structure, we're back here again. Um, and this is worse now because he had, has had a transfer window and he has had more than enough time now to to develop something that i mean you the, the marked contrast with blackburn in terms of the clear identity and style of play and what they're trying to do and players who fit the system and a cohesiveness to what they're trying to do i mean it was so easy for them today um you know you could not get more of a marked contrast and and that i think the supporters will will see that as well and maybe that's at the root of this is that things need to change and they're not hearing anything in terms of the the noises above David Wagner, to suggest that there is an acceptance of that, an acknowledgement of that, and that something will change. It just feels more of the same. And, you know, increasingly that time frame. if it is, you know, Cardiff and then international break, it just feels like it's a holding pattern waiting for Ben Napper to walk in the door. And then on you go, Ben. Um, Sorry, but you've got one or two issues in terms of the head coach and uh, maybe one or two issues with the squad of players as well to sort out, but uh, good luck. And uh, we'll back you all the way, but... um, I don't, I don't think they can afford now to wait for for Ben Napper's arrival because um and it, and you might say well, materially it's one more game potentially and that's Cardiff and would it make a huge amount of difference for 190 minutes but it's it's the optics it's if you persist with him as we saw the reaction this time last week when it was quite clear that they took a period of reflection after Sunderland and no we're sticking with David and he's going to be with us you you saw how that played out um You know, whether it's you take your measure from social media or just generally speaking to supporters as well. And uh, it's unfortunately going to be the same again. And if we get the same result at Cardiff next week, then um, where do we go again? It just feels like they're marking time, they're treading water and uh, and it actually needs somebody to get hold of it now and and visibly get hold of it and then communicate that to the fans. Because for me, the big takeaway today is that sense, being there and witnessing it, is that almost shrugging your shoulders. And, you know, okay, you might you might prefer that if you're in the eye of the storm to fans having a go and saying your football is, I won't say the word, but, you know, what they, they labelled at Dean Smith. Um, but at least there was some passion and there was some sort of desire to, to change this and, and make their feelings known. Um, when it gets to this point, uh, the alarm bell should be ringing. And if they're not already, then 17th this far into the season. Um that tells you where this season's heading and it's going to be nearer League One than it is any pretensions of challenging for the Premier League.
0: Yeah, spot on. And, and and that comes to the point, Sam, really, which and, and Paddy's got to touch upon a few other issues, which we'll obviously have to delve into again, uh, What wider kind of structural issues at the football club. But just to keep the focus on David Wagner, I mean, P- Paddy referenced there, Norwich ended the season um, last year with, with one in 11. Now, there was a lot of mitigation as at the time was why that was uh, the case. I think injuries was even offered up as a an excuse. That, not an excuse, that's the wrong word. It was kind of an excuse. Um, there was a, Kind of tried to change what they've done. They spoke about how important mentality was. Well, <laughs> the mentality at the moment isn't great, um, and now they're they're in a run of, of of eight defeats and eleven in the league, but it's it's eight and ten in in, in all competitions. Um, I mean, a head coach seldom survives one of those runs, but but two. I mean, even even here. To be fair, I mean, we we spoke last week about his demeanour at Sunderland. To me, he felt broken at, at, at Sunderland. Today just felt kind of accepting. I mean, he offered up the form wasn't good enough. I mean, head coaches, they can't survive that sort of run, can they?
1: Yeah, to an extent. I agree with you. I think it's just if he does manage to limp on, you have to ask questions about the long-term mentality and culture at this football club because every single manager seems to get more time than they deserve. And, you know, you can speak about the culture of football at the moment and how managers don't get a lot of time but in the context of every other club in the Football League there aren't too many that have waited as long as Norwich City have as consistently as they have over a really long period of time You know, this isn't just in the last couple of years it wasn't just with Dean Smith Um, in fact you could probably argue Daniel Farker was one of the more brutal um, firings that they've had over a, a longer period of time so yeah I think he will do very well to survive this period, you know, let alone this week, which is going to be, I'm sure, full of people hoping that he does um, lose his job. But, yeah, you look at the the two um, poor runs of form that there have been over the last few months and given the levels of squad turnover there's been between those two runs, you know, David Wagner is the only... Real um, common denominator in the short term, and he is responsible for results. Yes, there's mitigation, but first of all, every manager goes through problems as a, a head coach. You know, there, there aren't any teams in the league that go a whole season without getting injuries, and most of them will have injuries to to key players. Um, but he doesn't seem like somebody who's able to find solutions. He feel like feels like somebody who's got one very fixed idea in his head and can't really adapt that to challenging circumstances. And I keep going back to the moment when Paddy asked him about whether it was, you know, whether Adamida and Huang required adaptation to to fit into the team and whether the team needed to adapt to them. And Wagner almost seemed surprised by the question and just said, No, you know, whoever's in that front two, we plod on in exactly the same way and I just don't think there's been the levels of adaptation to problems um, that that Norwich have needed in these troubling times really and you look at his career we've spoken plenty of times now about how streaky he's been and I just think he looks like somebody who you know harnesses momentum very well and when he's got a, a strict idea in his head it works very well for a certain amount of time but they just haven't been able to to change and to adapt to that and i don't think he's got a squad of players to be honest that can challenge for promotion when um zoe webber talks about promotion places i hope she doesn't mean the top 2 because there's absolutely no chance of that whatsoever even with a fair wind i think playoffs is a, a difficult task and they certainly won't be sort of towards the top end of the the table so i don't think this is a squad of players that under many managers would be able to to challenge for promotion. But I also don't think Wagner is the man that's going to take them there. It almost seems like you have to put the blame on one side of things, Wagner or the squad, and whether there's the, the quality in the squad. But I just think neither of, of those elements is going to get Norwich promoted, to be honest. I think you could probably give Wagner a completely different squad. And I'm not sure he's got the skills at this stage of his career to To go and do it, and the same with the players, I think whatever head coach you replace Wagner with, I don't think they will get them into the promotion mix this season. So for me, it's all about building for the future um It's quite clear that the club needs a top to bottom reset, and now that they've got the the new sporting director coming in, they've got a fantastic opportunity to do that to give themselves the reset that they had in 2017. And I hope they don't waste it by again, convincing themselves that everything's fine and it just needs minor tweaks. That was what they did in 2022. They convinced themselves that they had a squad that was capable of challenging for promotion, only made four signings in that summer when there was a lot of concern that that squad wasn't going to be able to challenge for promotion, but no, they convinced themselves that they were going to be able to do it, finished 13th. Again, you know, this season, yes, In the transfer market they did a lot of work but they they only really had one idea in the market when you look at that and it was just, yeah, let's add some experience, let's add some mentality and then they should have a squad good enough to go and challenge for promotion but they spent barely any money. They've lost some very key players from the squad that finished 13th. I don't know what factors they're basing that target of promotion on. So for me, I just hope that Napa doesn't, that Napa's arrival isn't just another situation where they can convince themselves minor tweaks are what's needed because it does need an absolute top-to-bottom reshuffle and hopefully, you know, I I don't want to write off the season at this point in it, but I feel like it may almost need to be done and they may almost need to use this, this next seven months to prepare for next season because I don't think there's the evidence that either Wagner or his players are good enough to get them promoted this season.
0: To get to 50 points first, I think that's uh, that's that's definitely a more pressing target at the moment. The way the the form is is looking, and I, I think you're you're right to highlight quality. I just uh, and and I think you know, in terms of how you framed it, this this is clearly isn't a group capable of of, of challenging towards the top end of the division, but also with the quality it has in it. Gabriel, Sarah, John Rowe, Kenny McLean, we could go on and on and on. It should not be eight defeats in ten in all competitions and, and, and 17th in the championship, and that ultimately will. Will fall on, on on Wagner, Paddy, but just a word for the the players as well, because I think he's been quite at, at times quite pointed in his criticism. He's spoken about how individual errors from senior players have, have cost him. What what did you make of them today? Because it always gets spoken about. I think you and Roberts wrote about it this week. And it's not a criticism of you, and it's just a cliche thing that I think gets banded about in times like this where it's, oh well, you know, if they lose, they're not playing for him. And it's it's that cliche thing, isn't it? Which oh, unless you're in that dressing room, you, you never really know. And um Kenny McLean actually said after the game that he felt that that Norwich City squad have let David Wagner down in terms of their their recent run of form. Um, what do you make of the players at the moment? Because they're they're clearly crucial in this in this downward run of form. Obviously, all of the attention is on on Wagner, and we'll speak about the the moving elements above him. But just just for the players at the moment, I mean, they should be receiving as as much criticism, shouldn't they, for for their involvement in this?
2: Well, I think the last podcast we did um, post Sunderland, I think yeah, I was pretty strident that the players should take their fair share of blame it isn't just uh David Wagner is the source of all ills or above him Stuart Webber for that matter those players have consistently let themselves down not not let anybody else down um you know particularly frustrating and almost baffling for David Wagner I'm sure and his coaches is experienced players if it was Kellen Fisher, Jaden Warner you know um et al then you can uh, understand it a bit more but um you know, over recent weeks, you know, Yanulis, Duffy, Gibson—they're uh, the ones that just spring to one. Even, but even today, today is a continuation of the theme. Um, that first goal, uh, Gabby Zara, just doesn't—it doesn't feel or, or sense Dolan running off the back of him. And uh, the second one, look at Shane Duffy—he's gone galloping into central midfield, uh, vacating the central defend, defensive station from which Blackburn recycle the ball. The third goal is more of a collective malaise because it's a Norwich attacking set-piece and Blackburn counter. And even then, even when they did get some numbers back, you know, there's a switch from Stacey's side to to Zara's side. And again, he's defensive limitations. uh, But even then, when the ball gets cut back on the volley, back post, Dimi Anoulis is is on his heels. It's just, uh, I mean it isn't enough just to say its confidence is drained out of them and and they're just making poor decisions they just look feel dazed it's like they they're sleepwalking on the pitch and and their decision making is too slow and and ponderous and you know that that word that keeps getting bandied about in this current situation it's a malaise and it's a malaise off the pitch it's a malaise on the pitch and uh you know even today you could say well you know, yeah but that ultimately is david wagner's responsibility He made four changes again today, Um, yet still got a similar type of performance and a similar type of individual culpability. So it has to be deeper than the manager and who he's picking and how he's setting them up and what he's asking them to do. There has to be an individual responsibility when, and he's used this phrase the last two or three press conferences, they need to execute, I think is the words he said, when they cross the white line. Well, eight defeats in 11 in the league tells you they're not. Um, and if Kenny said that to you post-match, then then he's right. I, I would agree. And uh, it's a lot harder uh, because, as we know, you know, it's David Wagner, see you later. That's fine. A new head coach will come in. It's a lot harder now, particularly with some of the contractual situations around some of these senior players, how you refresh and renew this squad of players, because you can't just put them to the side and say, see you later. Um, I mean, again, we saw... Jaden Warner coming in today for his league debut, and and he must be excused from any culpability because um, such a difficult situation. Got very little assistance from an experienced pro alongside him and Shane Duffy at centre back. Last weekend, Kellen Fisher. For me now, it's players like those two, Borja Science, John Rowe, who's obviously done it. That's where the sense of renewal is going to come from in this group of players. But um, you know, I think I do do recall saying last week on, on the podcast, it isn't just David Wagner. It's Dean Smith's tenure. It's Dan- Daniel Farker tenure. There's a, there's a core group of players here, some who are injured at the moment, some who aren't injured. They're letting down successive managers. So you have to go straight to the heart of the matter and say there's an issue with this group of players or a or core element of this group of players. Um, why that is, you'd have to probably sit them down in a quieter moment and try and work out why players of an ability level, which is considerably higher than 17th, whatever the limits of their ambition, you can debate that, but they're far better than seventeenth. Now, over th- three successive managers, if you if you pitch it from the end towards the end, of the last twelve months or six months, of so Farkas tenure onwards, three successive managers, head coaches, have been able to get a tune out of largely a similar group of players. Um, so, you know that 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 is a far harder task in terms of resetting because essentially you're going to be reliant on a lot of those certainly more experienced pros again when inevitably David Wagner has moved on and a new individual comes in um that's a worry that's a worry and and it also probably uh, to t- tie in Stuart Webber it cuts to the recruitment again the failures in recruitment over successive windows that you know and I, and I don't buy necessarily this discourse around Stuart Webber that um you know he leaves the club in uh a worse position than the one he inherited because it was a basket case that he inherited um because it's far more nuanced than that but i think in regards of the squad and the profile of the squad i think this squad is poorer than the one he inherited if if i'm brutally honest and and that's an indictment of him and um and the people around him um that 6 years on you know that group of players that are now going on the pitch for Norwich in the championship i don't think are a, a better um, Than a squad of players who, where did they finish under Alan Irvine? Was it seventh or eighth? Eighth. Eight. So, you know, um, that that for me, when we discuss, and I know I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but when we discuss Stuart Weber and his legacy and and you know the impact he's had at this club, um, that's that's the biggest indictment is is what he's done in terms of the squad and the r- r- makeovers of squads. To leave it where he's going to be leaving it now, compared to what he inherited. Um, so yes, that's a long winded way of saying I think the players are um, uh, as culpable as Wagner or Weber or anybody else in this equation, and that's why it's going to take, you know, unfortunately, quite a long period of time to unpick it all and um, and go again. And the person pulling them threads together will be Ben Napper.
0: Yeah, we'll come back to to Stuart Weber. Uh, in a little while I just want to round off this segment talking about David Wagner we've, we've kind of referenced the, the players there um, and the fact I think we're talking about mentality given that that was a key focal point of what they tried to do in the summer is is really concerning agree the squad composition's not right I think it, there's, they've got 11 players who uh, will be 30 or, or over by the end of this month that is just, just mind-boggling really compared to, to what they strive to be and again that probably comes back to, to Stuart Weber ultimately but um Going to ask you both, and I'll start with with Sam. I mean, if you had if you had five pounds, and obviously events can change very quickly, but if you had five pounds right now, would you expect David Wagner to be in charge of, of Norwich City at Cardiff next weekend? Um,
1: it's
0: only five pounds. I'm not asking uh, you to put it's your it's house, on five,
1: it It's only five. Yeah, well, it's five pounds plus reputation, really. <laughs> in it, um, you have one of those, do you? <laughs> You've had <happy> <laughs> Yes, I think he'll be there. I, I'm not necessarily saying he should be there or that uh, fans would be especially pleased with that, but just from the experience of um, being involved with this football club for nearly 15 years, it feels like the, the character of the football club is not to do it uh, this week. I also just think the the strands of the international break and... Ben Napa, um add another level of complexity to it um, I'm not I'm not 100% sure of that in fact I'm probably sort of 54 55% You're talking yourself out of it now. <laughs> well no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back on it I just um I wouldn't be surprised if if they do do it but it just feels like if I have to come down on one side um I can I can see it I can see him struggling through to Cardiff I think if Cardiff was at home it might be different but the fact that they're hundreds of miles away, um, and he probably won't have to deal with a, a whole carrow road against him means I think he might just get away with it this week.
0: Paddy, are you joining Sam on the fence?
1: No, That's no, not on no. F- no, no, no yeah, you, know, you, you have committed. Down
2: on Il- yeah, 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 I think he'll it'll be in post. And based a on the soundings we got pre and post match last weekend, um, that it was it was almost without them framing it as such. It was almost. He'll get these games this side of the international break. And and then the other thing is, and you've you've led us in to the podcast today with it, is is the Zoe Weber context. And of course it's moved on now in terms of the result today. But um but if that is representative of the view at the very highest echelons of power at Car Road, then then it's not gonna shift from there to he's out the door between now and Cardiff. So um yeah, Fiverr for me is he stays. You Connor?
0: I agree with you both. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. I think um, and, and we'll come on to the other aspects of this debate in the second half. But it does feel to me a little bit like the whole changes on the horizon is being used yeah. as a little bit of a mask to to hide behind at, at, at the moment. Um, because, you know, the numbers that we've we've spoken about, the issues that we've spoken about, the repeated issues that we've spoken about. Um, and by the way, he's kind of accepted all of them himself. That. That shouldn't be the case, but it does feel increasingly like it will be. Uh, in part two of the pod, we're going to discuss Stuart Weber, we're going to discuss uh, structures, Ben Napper, we're going to talk uh, accounts, we're going to talk all of that um, good stuff. We're going to take a little bit of a pause and then we'll come back um, in just a, two, just a few seconds. Okay, so part two of the poll, we've kind of done the David Wagner debate, that, that probably lends us on to the other issues at Norwich City at the moment, a lot of the issues that supporters are speaking about at the moment, and, and, and Paddy, really, there's, there's no place to start other than, than the sporting director position, um, so, so let's start with, with Stuart Webber first and foremost, there were, as you said earlier, pointed chants about him and the acceleration of his, of his, of his timeline, um, I think we you know we 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 said last week that we probably wouldn't expect him to to hang around for too long in this in this handover period that is um that's going to take place but unless he was elsewhere in Carrow Road today he certainly wasn't in the director's box for for today's game as he wasn't um against Middlesbrough but he did find time to go and watch um, Manchester United and Newcastle in the in the cup in midweek. Um, I well, well I'm, I'm leading the question with the the optics of that, irrespective of the reason, because he may have had a very we don't know he might have had a very good reason as to why he he wasn't able to make either of the Norwich City games. But the optics of it aren't yeah. great, are they, for somebody who is still employed by Norwich City Football Club to not be there, particularly in a situation as difficult as this is for David Wagner, for the club more generally, for the mood of the fans. To just not be there, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. There may be a very valid reason as to why he hasn't, yeah, exactly. but and and we wouldn't, of course, judge that. But the optics around it don't don't look great from from a fan's perspective. If you're a paying fan and you look at the director's box and you don't so you see an empty chair where he should be sat, that that doesn't the the feelings that you would have, I imagine, aren't particularly great around that.
2: Well, it, I mean, it feeds into this idea that there's a holding pattern and they're rudderless in terms of the, the apex of the football operation, which is where he is positioned in the hierarchy of the football club. Yeah, I, I, because we don't know. We we just don't know what the reasons were why he wasn't in attendance in the Car Road director's box. Um, so, but as you say, you know, it, that, that was the case the previous Car Road home game as well. He was at Sunderland. Um, yeah, it's... Kind of feeds back into this handover sort of element that again has you know opened him up to a lot of criticism, and that he he's f- very much framing his not only his departure in terms of how long, but what it looks like, and and you know that isn't a great look when it's set against the backdrop of a team who are failing tremendously on the pitch and not in a good way. Tremendously, eight defeats in in eleven is it's you know when they I'm sure sat down, however far out it was and and they mapped out that uh, probably at the point they knew that Ben Napper wasn't coming into the building until November the 27th officially and felt they'd be able to go this route this is by some measure the worst possible scenario that could have unfolded you know if you flip it and Norwich had continued on in the same vein as they started the season you know um unbeaten in eight games was it or one defeat in eight uh, and they were in and around the top 6 then there'd be nobody talking about this whatsoever so you know, it's events, dear boy events, but, um, it isn't a good look. And as we're led to believe the handover period will be fairly brief, uh, and days rather than weeks and certainly months. Uh, he's not going to be on Ben Napper's shoulder between now and and the end of December. Um, and the day that Ben Napper starts the job, it will be Ben Napa calling the shots. So, you know, it is only two weeks or so to go, but, uh, I guess it's what what he represents now, and that is the past. And that term um, for many fans, you know, bar the, the the brief, glorious period of success under Farker tw- twice in the, in the in the championship, it's it's since that point really a, a sad decline on and off the pitch um, to the point we find ourselves now. And and he is effectively the poster boy for that. So, you know. It's probably understandable that supporters are going to turn their attention on him rather than focus exclusively on David Wagner. So, yeah, but I, I, I don't really want to get into why he wasn't there because we just simply don't know. So it's, you know, we're not going to leave ourselves open to conjecture. Um But you know, there's absolutely no doubt. And, I, and I, as I say, from what we're led to believe, uh, there's nothing in how he's viewing this period that he's going to be hanging around. Um I think it's very much... November the 27th is the date um I think QPR would be the last game he's technically inv- involved with um which is the Saturday before and uh um so you'd expect him there because that'll be the next car at home game won't it straight after the international break um but uh yeah it I think for me what it basically today the visible sense of that in terms of you talk about optics is just more of the we're not listening. Our hands are over our ears. We're in denial. If you want to be brutal about it, in terms of a club at the top of the club, and we're just uh, we're just going to wait for Ben to come in and sort it all out. And uh, you know, clearly, that's a that's a hell of a task that he's going to find himself faced with in very short order uh, if they're going to run along those those lines basically. So, yeah, for me, it's um, it's it's. As more fuel to the, the sort of belief that they're that they're basically unwilling to make any any hard or fast decisions.
0: Yeah, and and it, and it does go back to, to the optics point of it, and and this kind of narrative that's been building Sam around. Um, I guess leadership to an extent, but also decision making. Who who does in this situation when there is obviously a, a decision that needs to be made? How how do they go about doing that? And if ultimately, and again, don't know no, this is maybe really hands-on and you may be really involved but um, it goes back to that point optics doesn't it if 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 you've got somebody there who isn't beginning to turn up to Calro matches for whatever reason if um, there are decisions that are being put off then that ultimately comes to people above him doesn't it there are other people Neil Adams was there today technical director um, Delia Smith Michael Wynne Jones Zoe Weber was there uh, you've obviously got the American element as well there are enough people there that you could reach a collective decision on if you've got some... Again, we don't necessarily know that this is the case, but I guess what we're saying is there's enough people around that table to make a decision if they, if they felt, which, to be honest, they should do at this stage, that there was a decision to be made.
1: Well, yeah, there was certainly enough, enough people there, and I think there's a reason why the Sky Sports camera zoomed in on Neil Adams at one point. It's because the reason why he's at the club is to, even before this news of Stuart Webber leaving the club, the reason he was there was to make the decisions when Weber wasn't available, right? You know, so theoretically, had they wanted to make the decision this afternoon, it would have been, I presume, Neil Adams going down into the the changing room and, you know, in a similar way to Weber dismissing Farker at Brentford, letting Wagner know that he was his services were no longer required. So there should be enough people in that building, otherwise you know, what's the point really? What's the point in having a committee? What's the point in having a a board? If Stuart Webber really is the only man that can make those decisions, then he doesn't need staff around him. It should just be Stuart Webber, David Wagner and the team. Um, And yeah, I don't really understand the structure if they aren't able to press forward into the future uh, without Webber being there. I do understand that you don't want to... You don't want to hire a new coach until Ben Napper comes into yeah. the building. But you look at how long it took them or how long it's traditionally taken them to do it and how long these...
0: Well, s- I, I I sorry to jump in, but no, I, I mean, I referenced um, last week when they, they sacked Alex Neal. I mean, they had Alan Irving. How long was he in charge for? Two it? Was, months, it was, two months. Two months or, yeah. or something. So did a good job? There is, a, Yeah, he did yeah. do a very good job. There is a, a precedent here for this type of thing happening. And... I guess a different angle to this debate is is this a fair situation to for Ben Napper to walk into to say there you go mate uh, everything's on fire you've got to put yeah. you've got to put it out it's yeah. your your first role as a as a sporting director go and make some big decisions that
1: that feels yeah, like a well,
0: really harsh situation to put him in
1: well i've had a lot of people say to me that it's quite a lot of pressure to put on him to go and hire a new head coach but it takes on another level when you consider yeah. they're putting him in a position if they don't make the decision to, to fire Wagner between now and his arrival, it's very, very likely you're forcing him to come in and within the first few days probably throw his weight around and get rid of Wagner. You know, we've spoken about, I think, that a lot of the conversation around Napa will be what sort of strategy he takes when he comes into the club. Of course, when Weber arrived, he, he did do a bit of that. He did do a bit of showing how things were going to work henceforth and making those decisions of releasing players who had big reputations at the club of getting rid of a lot of staff who he didn't feel serviced the club in the way that he wanted them to and Napa now doesn't really have that choice because as soon as he comes in he's going to have to do big things and it's not just if they don't get rid of Wagner of course, it's not just going to be the positive thing of hiring a new head coach because that's always greeted With a new level of optimism, you know, it doesn't take much to cast our minds back to when Wagner was appointed. And even though there were doubts, there immediately felt like a breath of fresh air at Carrow Road and a little bit of relief amongst those supporters. So if you do give him the opportunity to just hire a new head coach, then even though that is a bit of pressure to get it right, you're not throwing him straight into the fire of criticism and negativity and potentially trouble with fans, whereas if he's got to now make this decision, immediately on the first day he's going to have fans theoretically screaming at him to make a decision that they really want made. So I feel for him a little bit um, in that sense. Of course, it's not going to be easy however he he comes in given the way that things are going um, on the pitch. But, yeah, I think they've got to be in a, a, a position to act before then, and and you know even consult him. I know there's going to be um, sort of notice periods and stuff with with Arsenal. But what's stopping them giving him a phone call and just asking for his opinion on it? Um, so I think it's a little bit of a farce that they're now in a sort of holding pattern. You don't have to make any any decisions that will impact the long term. I don't think anybody at this point is under the illusion that Wagner is going to be at this football club for the next five years you know realistically it's it's very likely at this point that napa has to make a new appointment before long so they're not making decisions that that are irreversible and you know going to stretch out into the long term because that's i don't think it was ever really a big project with wagner at the head you look at the sort of players they brought in this summer and it does it did feel a bit like the sort of thing where if it didn't work this season it's quite clear that that wagner wasn't going to be the man to take it forward. So um yeah, I, I do feel for Napa but they certainly could could be doing things to help him out at this moment in time.
0: And 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 the last time they had, they had a change of sporting director, it pointed their first sporting director Palit it goes back to that point they they removed Alex Neil because they didn't feel that he was he was best served to to take them in a new direction and Stuart Weber kind of in, in or walked into a blank canvas, he was able to kind of splash it with the details that he wanted to. Namely, obviously Daniel Farker as, as head coach, that was the man to lead his his vision of how he saw it going. And obviously uh, there was a bit of turbulence along the way, but everyone knows kind of what happened there. Does that feel like the situation that Ben Napa needs to inherit now? Because I mean, you, you referenced it earlier, and I, I'll say it again, change on the horizon shouldn't be used as a mask to kind of kick the can down the road or to 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 shirk making a big decision um it it feels incredibly unfair to me to say to a guy who's who's fairly young who's not he's not done the job before they go, mate, by the way, you've got this issue, this issue, this issue. And as Sam said, there's a narrative there. Now there's an easy narrative for them to kind of cash in on in terms of this end of era feel that there is around the club. They could they could almost start afresh in, in that kind of situation.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Sam's spot on, you know, in terms of the removing the David Wagner element of the equation, that's not something that needs to come across Ben Napper's desk at all. Um Really, that can be done. Um <laughs> you know, he may he may welcome that because then he comes in with a, well, that was nothing to do with me, David Wagner, that change has been made, I will now take it on from here. Um And to draw the parallel you, you, you raised there with Weber, that was the visible representation of, i.e. Daniel Farker's appointment, of this is my head coach, this is what, how we're going to go about the task. And it goes back to what I said at the start, you know, Blackburn today, the identity, the style of play... There's other styles of play, there's other identities, but just something that you can see and it's worth reiterating that of course a key individual in that club now is Greg Broughton yeah. who was um you know instrumental in his period at Norwich in hot housing players like Aarons and Lewis and even John Rowe, I think, was on his yeah. watch. Jaden Warner as well. Jaden Warner. So um you know, and I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not claiming that he is the sole reason why Blackburn look like they're you know, they're moving along very clear alignment in terms of top to bottom of their football club but he's clearly had a huge input into that um, and you know whatever the, the technical label you attach to Greg Broughton at Blackburn Ben Napper's coming in with a similar brief so um, I, I mean it, going back to what we said on last week's pod it, it does feel that they've lost their way now and uh, and, and that it is really now at, at a point in time and aided of course by as we know the situation that's happening at board level with Atanasio and his group and, and uh, an acceleration almost now, once this allotment is ratified, um, that he moves level with dealer Market in terms of the shareholder mix. And of course, you know, it's not a huge tip then for him to then him and his group be in overall sort of minority control, if that makes sense. So, you know, you have that sense of the plates are shifting, maybe not quickly enough for a lot of supporters, but they are in that boardroom after 20, 25 years of pretty much status quo. Um, and that then can now be replicated at the apex of the footballing pyramid in the football club by Ben Napper's arrival. Um, and for him, who he appoints in terms of head coach, that will that will signal a lot of things about his, his thinking. Because we, nobody really knows, you know. Yes, we can look from afar at the work he did at Arsenal, but it's not a like for like job spec. So he is coming in, and there's a little bit of an element of what is this guy all about? What are his footballing principles? What does he stand for? What does he want to see? in terms of putting an imprint on a football club, all of those things will become very clear once we see the identity of, of the head coach he appoints. And um, and I think in terms of that renewal, that feeling of, okay, yep, that chapter is now firmly closed. We move ahead now with, with change at board level, change at shareholder level, change with sporting director and change in the dugout as well. And the attendant, obviously byproducts, I'm sure that'll bring in terms of the, the mix of the coaches around the new person. Um, then you do then very definitively have a club that is looking to the future, that is more optimistic and forward thinking rather than, unfortunately, what we have now is mired in kind of looking back with nostalgia to the good days and the Stuart Webboy, which increasingly um, feel a long way away. So, yeah, for me, it, ha- it has to come. It has to come pretty early. But in terms of uncoupling the Wagner element of this for Ben Napper, I mean, that can be done in the here and now. That doesn't have to wait for him to walk through the door on November the 27th. Um, albeit Sam is right, you know. You like to think he would have some input whatever the contractual situation is that allows him to have that. Um, because if he just pitches up on the twenty seventh and uh, and and he walks through the doors and it's and that's the first time he's you know he's really able to put his mark on anything, then then it's going to be a very challenging period for him in the, in the, in the short term at least. But um, yeah, I I, I think. For me, if you if you're Ben Napper, you want to come in and you want to be able to uh, to do something in terms of shaking it up on the head coach front because that, of course, he will come in with these mid to longer term objectives and and that's going to take much longer period of time to change cultures and change individuals in key part departments within the football club. You know, not just what we see on the pitch, um, but in the here and now. If you want to connect with a fan base and take them on a journey bring in a new head coach and then we'll see and we'll go from there but uh, yeah I mean hopefully they see it as an opportunity hopefully he sees it as an opportunity that this is actually you know as you made the point with with Stuart Webber when he first came in it was a a blank canvas almost um, there is a difference in terms of you know Stuart Webber was basically coming in at the end of a season so he had a full summer and a transfer window um, and he had that time really freed from the, the necessity to to pick up points in the championship, unfortunately, Ben Napper isn't going to be afforded that. He's going to come in pretty much halfway through a season, um, and that's that's a dimension that Stuart didn't have to contend with initially. But uh, but parking up, there is no doubt that you know fans will want to see something that's different, not a continuation of a theme, but a real break from the past. And um, and in the short term, that is who he appoints as his new head coach.
0: Have you guys seen that gif of uh, you know the guy that walks into a room and he's holding pizzas and there's just people swirling t-shirts around on fire and yeah. it's just chaos it kind of feels like he's, he's walking in a little bit to that but uh, it, it is right and I think Sam, what, what underpins all of this conversation? And we, we heard it to an extent that Carol Road, amongst kind of the, the apathetic spells of of, of of the the fan base today and the acceptance really. It was kind of a shrug of the shoulders. Oh, here we go again. Um there is a desire now for for change and widespread change and it, it does feel and I guess it's probably nothing marks that more than than Wagner and Weber and their relationship, the fact that Weber in January picked up or December, or whenever it was, picked up the phone and 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 got the band back together, so to speak. Yeah. It was it was an attempt to kind of turn the clock back to 2016 and 17, and actually, not, probably probably found themselves behind the curve in in that regard. It, that desire for change now feels like a real common consensus and a, and a common position within the fan base.
1: Yeah, I think they want to see a bit of youth and a bit of hunger and Napa. Napa's appointment for me is the sort of appointment that although obviously Weber was the first sporting director they had feels like the sort of appointment that historically has done well um, at Norwich in terms of yes he's come from a bigger club but he's never been a sporting director before he will be absolutely desperate to succeed in this role and it's certainly a step up for him from loans manager at Arsenal I think that appointment of Wagner as much as they have had success before and Weber did pick him out of being relatively unknown at Huddersfield. He's somebody who now has been around the block a little bit, who whose name was known and who has already reached levels much, much higher than Norwich City, to be honest, and been at clubs um, much bigger than Norwich City. Of course, he's managed in the Champions League, managed Schalke, who are a very big club in Germany, and then having failed at that level, came to Norwich and I don't think we've seen too many people who have done especially well for the club um sort of in that role not even really players um so I think Napper's Napper's appointment is the sort of one that Norwich fans seem to connect with best and and he's somebody who's coming up and I hope that when he eventually does um employ a, a head coach I hope that he chooses somebody who similarly is On the way up, in fact, I hope it's somebody whose name I've never heard of before because they're the ones that tend to do the best at Norwich and they're the ones that tend to be doing well actually across football at the moment are the ones that clubs are taking chances on and looking outside of the box because ultimately you don't get the best value from people that everybody already knows about because if they were as good as you're hoping they're going to be, they'd probably be somewhere better beforehand because everyone knows about them everyone everyone in at least in England um that operates sort of in the the football league will have heard the name David Wagner before and why didn't any of them take a chance on him when they when they didn't have a manager before it was quite a long gap between him leaving young boys and and joining Norwich so i think there is a a desire for that feeling of freshness and hunger and excitement which there hasn't really been um for the last few years, you look at the sorts of players they signed in the summer, of course, I've spoken about Wagner, Dean Smith was another one who had peaked higher than Norwich and I just hope Napa can bring with him a sense of of freshness like I, I spoke about and a plan that actually takes the club forward even if results aren't going especially well on the pitch because he's not going to be able to wave a magic wand and change everything all at once. But what we saw in the first season of Weather and Farca was progression on the pitch towards the style that Farca wanted to see, even if the results weren't always improving. And off the pitch there was this goal of sustainability and improving the training ground and leaving a legacy. And we were slowly seeing those things being built. But, you know, yes, there may be a recovery hub being built at Colney right now, but really what sort of progression are we seeing from signing Shane Duffy to a, a three-year deal or signing you know, Adam Fulcher and Danny Bart for a year? I don't think we're seeing much of that progression and hunger and excitement to go forward. So admittedly, Napa is in a difficult position in a lot of ways, but I think where things are good for him are that they haven't really been much worse at Norwich for... A good long while and the only way is up and i think um fingers crossed the only way is up I was gonna but, say, it's definitely <laughs> not. but you know for him um i think there's a lot of room for improvement and that, that actually may suit him and that's something that these these supporters can and have been excited about so um yeah personally i'm sort of looking forward to hopefully a little bit of that optimism going back fun
0: quiz question for you both david wagner how many games in charge do you have of schalke and young boys it's the, the same number Either of you guys know, you can you can pluck one if you want out of out of thin air.
1: Forty-three. It's
0: it's forty at both. How many games has he had at Norwich? Uh, 39 is the correct oh, answer, okay. Sam. So uh, there's some some nice wow, symmetry, really really wins. weird symmetry there. He had 40 at Schalke, 40 at young boys, and uh, he's today was his, his, his 39th game if in charge.
2: Thrown that at us before the five pound question earlier, then yeah. it would have yeah. been very <laughs> obvious. Yeah. He's got you're keeping
0: part. you're keeping five pounds. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk uh, accounts then, Paddy, because they they came out this week um, really. There's a really good thread on on social media from from Kieran Maguire, who is the the guru um, in in terms of football finances and and kind of distilling accounts into something that that thickos can read like me um, and make and make sense of. Um, I think it's fair to say, Pay they don't paint a great picture. Is, is, is that kind of a fair assessment? It's always really difficult when they drop to. Delve into the numbers and 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 have a ready-made assessment straight away. But um, the days thereafter, I mean, the the picture doesn't look particularly great, does it, from an OIS city perspective?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, quoting Maguire, and he says his analysis of a forensic nature of that rather weighty document with lots of columns and lots of numbers on is there ninety-six million in for borrowing, which is an astronomical figure. It's not sustainable, that is it? Absolutely not. And and to drill down a little bit further than that. Um, net 5 million last year on interest payments alone that's not even clear in the debt slash loans slash borrowing 5 million um which is a frightening figure really um now they would say i'm sure that you know, these are snapshots in time, and that was the p- picture on June the 30th this year, and and subsequently they will be out of that period. It touches on it in the documentation. 17 million or so. um surplus transfer-wise from last summer. That's not including these figures. There's a parachute payment as well, um, but irrespective, you know that that is deeply troubling, and and obviously flows into this dissection of Stuart Weber's tenure, which is a little bit fair and purely in financial terms, because I think there is mitigation. You know, what do they estimate the the pandemic hole for norwich city was th- tell, north of thirty million um so you've got that to factor in if you want if you want to frame this in terms of Stuart Weber, look at the impact on our club, look at the finances um but that aside it I wrote about it today, and the point is i mean it just even if you're not an an accountant um and you don't have a real uh, grasp of the numbers what is irrefutable now is that the reliance on Mark Atanasio and his vehicle Norfolk Holdings um, to navigate themselves through this period I mean we know um, the, the, the mechanics of the, the share allotment process and that you know they've obviously refinanced some of the unsecured loans but um, but even allowing for that it's uh, it's a very very challenging situation and probably limits the scope what they can do purely in terms of you know throwing money at this problem on the footballing side of it in the squad. And that was that was underlined and, and underscored by what they did last summer. You know, the prevalence of free transfer signings, essentially. Um, Fashion Act and, and Barley Mamma. you could say that was an inter- interchangeable bit of business in terms of transfer fees. So it's going to be that for the foreseeable, really, um, which places even more onus on, in terms of the last segment we've discussed on Napa and and whoever he appoints as a head coach in, in almost as Farka did melding something from resource, which probably doesn't look that appetising at this stage because they're not going to have the financial power to do anything. Um, I mean, it is, I think very, very reassuring. I think if you're an Orange fan that you do have Atanasio and his group as, as the financial backstop, because if you just looked at those figures, you would be very concerned for, for the, where this club is heading because, um, you know, it's it's pretty clear. I think they're not going to be turning on the Premier League broadcast revenue tap anytime soon. In terms of getting back to the Premier League, um, yes, obviously, you know, wages and salaries will will decline in line with you know sustained football at this level. Um, but even that's not really going to stem the bleeding in terms of the existing loans that they've taken out, the servicing of those loans, and um, you know, we'll find out a little bit more uh, at the AGM, which is is coming up fast on the horizon. I think it's probably going to. Also in between the Watford and the Bristol City game. I think there's an expectation that maybe Atanasio will be present at that. Uh, and if he is, I'm sure, you know, shareholders will, will get the opportunity to, to, to pose questions to what increasingly feels like the guy who is the power, the power, the emerging power. And uh, and we all know that. We can all see that. Um we know that there's this process in place or this road map in place that, you know, there's gonna be a lockstep approach with Delia and Michael. We'll see how that continues if if the if it declines on the pitch to the point where, you know, they're in danger of, dare I say it, flirting with the third tier of English football. Um but there's no doubt that um for Norwich to solve this, it isn't just gonna be Ben Napa, that's for sure. It's gonna be Mark Atanasio. And um, you know, those figures just underline that that this is um this is a very challenging environment and landscape for the next phase of Norwich City as a football club.
0: Yeah, just to to read you the the key figures, um, I guess, from the 22-23 the accounts, uh, income 76 million, that's down 43%, uh, wages at 56 million, that's down 52%. I think it basically uh, puts Norrie City's average wage bill or the the average, if you plucked a person out for the football club, they would on average be earning 20, uh 25,000 a week, which is still a remarkable amount of money. Um Pre-tax loss of of 27 million, which is up 15%. Uh, player purchases at 15 million, player sales at 7 million, and obviously we could have a long discussion about the fact that they haven't really been able to generate big money for a player in in a significant period of time. Emi Wendy are really their their last major sale. I know on Bamadeli, they they got decent money for and, and errands and whatnot, but in terms of that 20 million plus kind of bracket, um, he's certainly the last player in that one. And then borrowings, as you mapped out, Paddy, 96 million, which is up. 37% and is um, a truly eye-watering number, really. Uh, and I guess, Sam, this, this all just to feed this into the discussion that we're having all f- feeds into the factor that, irrespective of who is Norwich City Sporting Director or head coach, the situation that they're inheriting is, is really, really difficult financially, the resources aren't uh, particularly great. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 tough, isn't it, at the minute? If if you're if you're a fan to to find optimism in 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 a, in, in a lot of things, no city related, but certainly in terms of on and off the pitch.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it's something where we always talk about the footballing decisions that a sporting director makes and the appointments they make and the signings they make. But you know, Ben Napper's head will certainly be in those numbers, and he'll be well aware of the effect of everything that he does. Um, and obviously it doesn't look like he's going to be able to to spend much at all for a long while unless they can get promoted pretty quickly i suppose the the one piece of of optimism that Norwich fans can have is that they did it on a shoestring budget a few years ago so it it can be done but um yeah especially given the Number of times we've been told about sustainability and the club's future and how financially the club would never be risked to look at that ninety six million pounds in debt. I mean, yes, they feel better about it and it feels better because Mark Atanasio is involved and obviously he's a name who's attached to the football club. But just as a a fact, ninety six million pounds in debt is incredibly unsustainable and really poor and and obviously there's that. There's a chance that decreases. Um, but after last season and that £66 million loan coming out, it felt like things could only get better. Um, and it looks like from those numbers they've got worse. But the main thing we can read into that really, and it's not going to be news to many people, but it's that the worse you perform on the pitch as a football club, the harder it is to perform off the pitch. And um, you can see from those numbers why... The clamour for the Premier League is as panicked as it is at times in the Championship. And uh, Norwich, now that they've already taken out loans against all of their parachute um, payments, are just one of those clubs that is scrambling to try and get to the promised land. Um, And they have to strike that balance between taking the risks with their finances and staying sustainable in case they can't achieve that promotion goal because everyone in the championship wants it and only three a season get it um, especially when you consider the the quality of the clubs that are coming down and the amounts of money that they're receiving it's a really really difficult task so um yeah a, a very tight financial situation for Napa to come in and navigate um but it's been done before and that's probably where the hope comes from if you're a Norwich fan
0: Indeed, uh, let's end the the pod on some positives. We had Darren Eadie in this week. You took a picture with Darren Edie, which might be the the best thing that I've I've seen for a, a while, which was nice. Had you had know,
2: I, I keep forgetting to mention it, but look look at the uh, the, the drooping nature of the, um, <laughs> the, the inflatable canary. Well, if uh, that's not well, a
0: we we're going to use it as a barometer of where things that's are. Good. So if Norwich City are doing well, it's going to be. I mean, it's heavily packaged. I'm going to put that's going to fall out now, <laughs> but yeah. um, that's that's reflective of the mood,
2: I think. It's a metaphor, mate. Yeah, there you go. visual metaphor.
0: And and what better way to end the podcast but than a metaphor of a drooping inflatable canary uh, in our in our batch, although still well inflated, so the air's not uh, the air's not come out of it. yet, even if it has on uh, on the pitch, um, which is uh, an apt place to leave but Thank you very much for watching, for listening. We'll be back next week, uh, providing nothing happens in the interim, for the uh, for the next podcast, and uh, we'll be reflecting on Cardiff and uh, all of the fun and games that follow in South Wales. See you soon.
2: 18- Plus.